going to continue that this morning. So if you've got your Bibles here, turn to Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to read that together. As Di alluded to earlier, these are not the easiest chapters for us to read and engage with and uh, deal with. They're actually pretty tough. So let's have a listen to what God says to us in Revelation 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pe- pregnant and carrying uh, out in birth p- and crying out in birth pains the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven crowns or diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she will be nourished for 1,260 days. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael his, and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she was to be nourished for time, times and a a half a time. And the serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came up to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured out from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and those who hold the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So as we listen... And deal with that. I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to slot the Lord's Supper 
in between that before we wrestle with what that means and how we uh, deal with it. Because the Lord's Supper is given to us to remember who God is and who we are because of Him. That's one, Josh. Um, that's what we want to know. That's what we want to remember. We want to remember who God is and who we are because of Him. And so Jesus started that back with his disciples and on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And on the same night, he took a cup and he poured out the wine or the juice and he said, this is the cup of the blood of a new covenant. And I want you to do this, drink this in remembrance of me every time that you do it. And Jesus reminds his disciples that as he goes to die on the cross, he instigates a new kingdom reality on earth. That death and Satan are defeated. That sin has been dealt with and his people are set free. And he says, I want you to remember this. Don't forget this. And it's this Lord's Supper proclaims what we just read in Revelation 12. Did you, re did you hear that bit? Did you hear the bit where it says, uh, as Satan was thrown to the earth, heaven proclaimed something. You remember what it proclaimed? This was the voice that came from heaven. Uh, it says, on earth, remember, now salvation and the power of the kingdom of God has come to earth. Because if we're going to be having to deal with Satan and the demonic on earth, we're going to have to have power. And Christ reminds us that when he died on the cross, when he uh, arose to heaven, that the power of the Holy Spirit came on his church. The power is in the church and hell cannot stand against it. He says, I, I want you to remember that. Don't forget that as you live on this earth. And uh, that, that voice from heaven said, remember, Satan is the accuser, the one who accuses the people of God day and night. He is the one that wants to accuse you of your sin, of your brokenness, of your rebellion against God, to make you feel guilty, to make you feel like you're not worthy of this love of God. And God says, I want you to remember that reality and then the reality of what my death brought. That now there is no accusation to you. There is no condemnation to you who believe this is true. Because Jesus died on the cross, he took the wrath of sin and judgment so that you can be free. And you, you know the pictures in Revelation, so that your clothes now are pure white. There is not a stain, a spot or a blemish on you. And so there is no condemnation, there is no accusation that can stick to you anymore if you believe this is your reality. And the voice from heaven continued, it said, the people on earth, as this accusation came to them, as they were in this battle, what did it say? They overcame by what? 
the power of the blood of the Lamb. They overcame this situation, this war, this attack, by this sacrifice. Jesus, who died in their place. And they also survived by what? The word of their testimony. What does that mean? The word of their testimony. What they did as they were living in this reality on earth under attack, they reminded each other. They said, remember this. Guys, remember who we are now. Remember what Christ has done. Remember that we are his people. Remember now that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember we can stand against Satan and he will flee from us. And they testified to this. They proclaimed it to themselves, to each other, and to the world. Heavenly and eternal reality set aside for them. He said, don't forget that. Don't forget your heavenly, eternal reality. Even if it's going to cause you to die. And then the last voice said, or the voice of the last sentence said, remember this. Therefore, which means because of all that that I've just said, remember this. I want you to rejoice. Rejoice with the heavenlies and uh, dwell in them. And what do we call the Lord's Supper? We call it a celebration. We call it a celebration because it is our new reality. That as we live in this world that is affected by evil and brokenness, we have a new reality. And that's worth celebrating and rejoicing. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's pray. Lord and God, we thank you for this supper. Because when we read Revelation 12, and if we were to ponder the depth of that, we freak out. But Lord... Now we stand behind this table and we're reminded of what this supper means and we're reminded of our reality. That through faith in Jesus, there is no condemnation for us. That through faith in Jesus, we have been set free from death and Satan and all fear. We thank you that this supper reminds us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that we have power beyond compare within us. Lord, as we now take this bread and drink this juice, will you remind us again of who you are and who we are because of you? And will you help us to rejoice this morning in this celebration? In the name of Jesus. Amen. What I'm going to ask us to do, I'm going to ask uh, the elders to come forward. So there's a few of us here today. Um, we're going to, what, two of them are going to stand over this side, two over that side. Uh, we're going to start from the back. If you come forward and receive some bread and um, some juice, and I just ask that you would hold it in your hand, bring it back to your seat, and we will uh, partake of it um, uh, together. So as we start to do this, as we come, to f- uh, come forward, I pray, uh, I ask that you would be interacting with God. That you would be praying to him. So for the next five or so minutes as we do this, this is your prayer time. To interact with him, rejoicing over this reality, maybe confessing over stuff or just interacting with him uh, however his spirit is moving in you. 
So don't switch off. Don't go to all the other things. Interact with God as you participate in this supper this morning. So come and celebrate the feast together. every time is as real as this bread is in our hands that's how real it is that Christ has died on the cross so this bread which we break is our sharing in the body of Christ take eat remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all your sins This little cup that we pick up, we call it the cup of thanksgiving. This cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks is our sharing in the blood of Christ. So take it, drink from it all of you, remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we have the taste of bread in our mouths and the sweetness of juice um, on our tongues, Lord, that that is our new reality, that we have been set free from sin and death, that we have victory over Satan and his cohorts. Lord, today, will you help us to live in that reality? May you continue to refresh us and bring joy to our hearts as we live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay. So we've got to have that reality before we tackle this. It's a pretty heavy passage, isn't it? I think we're back on. I just didn't have it switched on, Aaron. That's why we're back on. So Revelation uh, chapter 12, and as I've said to you guys, um, as we go through Revelation, um, the way we're reading Revelation is that it's broken up into seven uh, sections, and each of those sections is a re-travel through the end times or through history. And so we go through it, and then we go through it again, and we go through it again, and each time there's something new or different or slightly different uh, that reminds us of how we're supposed to live uh, in these last days. Um, Actually, keep that up. I forgot that I put that there. This is good. That's right. We did a lot of this. Is, I found this this morning as I was. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. 
God knows your sin but calls you by your name. What a beautiful statement, isn't it? That's what we just celebrated. The accuser <laughs> is the first bit, and our reality is the second bit. That's good. Okay, sorry, I forgot about that. Next one, uh, where are we? We're Next slide, we're into um, Revelation, that's right. Um, what we believe about our future determines how we live now and this whole theme that we have a living hope. Because I don't know if you know, if you didn't hear it last week, that there is something wrong with this world. It's broken and it's messed up and we're getting, we're getting a new reality today, isn't it? Revelation 12, isn't it? That Satan has been thrown to this earth and there is uh, a furious activity of uh, evil in this world uh, that is specifically coming against who? You guys. If you profess to follow Christ, that's what the verse said, didn't it? That he is now pursuing those who profess Christ as their saviour. And so somehow we're going to have to get through this with a sense of of living hope and not being uh, overwhelmed uh, by this. Uh, So this section, we're uh, 12 to 14, those sort of three chapters. Um, It's not like we've done in the past where we've got the number of seven. We've had seven seals and seven trumpets and those sorts of things. This one's just a different picture. We've got dragons and beasts and all sorts of things. So we're going to go through that a bit together and explore what this means uh, for us. It's a picture, again, of the heavenly reality. So you get the sense already from reading this that John's taken up and he's getting a heavenly reality. He's seeing that there is a war between angels and demons, uh, good and evil, and uh, he's sort of shown that, and that's sort of somehow then reflected back here on the earth. If we go to the next slide. We're going to just have a, if you've got your Bibles, and I've been encouraging you to bring your Bibles or to have your phone, because we just sort of flick through these chapters. Feel free to be flicking through them as I talk, just to get a bit of a sense of this whole section. So Revelation 12, we get this picture um, uh, and it's great visual picture of dragons and women and uh, water and all these sorts of things. But overall, it's saying it's a battle between heaven and hell. There's a battle between good and evil, Satan and the church, and it's raging here on earth as we uh, sit here this morning. But as, we, as I've said to you, I'm not going to unpack all the little details of this, but we're sort of looking at the big picture of what this means to us. So just some things that help us get perspective on this. When Satan was sent to earth, um, you note that there was, so Satan is what? What is Satan that we just, he's a dragon, yep, and he is a fallen angel, okay? So Satan is not like God. Satan is not everywhere present. He's not all-powerful. He's a fallen angel. And yes, different angels have different sort of levels of power and things like that that we see in the Bible. But just reminded that he is um, a limited power. He's not all-knowing, not all-present, not everywhere like uh, God is. So again, that gives us a bit of perspective, doesn't it? Um, Also, what do we note? How many of the angels get thrown to earth? A third of them. So two-thirds are stayed on track, only a third them. So we just the numbers. He's giving us that the reality is that your the, the weight of numbers is in your court. Even though you, you know there's he's given uh, rain on this earth, he's only a third of them. Um, he's an angel as well. Um, and so we use the word demons. Demons are basically just is another word for fallen angels. 
Uh, so they're beings that operate in the spiritual realm. We're not ex sure exactly how they all work, uh, but um, that's sort of uh, how we're um, understanding them. They're, they op they're beings that operate uh, in a spiritual realm. Um, the pregnant woman, who is the pregnant woman, do you think? Yeah, it's a good question. Ooh, who's the pregnant woman? Because who does she give birth to? Male child, who do you think that one is? Come on. Jesus, yes, that's easy to say. The male child is Jesus. So who gives birth to Jesus? Mary, yes, Mary. But who else? Israel, yeah. So the people of Israel, so the woman is Israel, and they give, he gives birth, uh, Israel gives birth to a Messiah. Uh, the dragon, it tries to kill the Messiah, and then what happens to the Messiah? He rises to heaven. This is sort of what, so it's living out what's happened. So this is sort of prophetic speech, sort of giving us an insight to what, so um, heaven, uh, he's taken to heaven. He now rules in the heavenly realms. And then the, the, the dragon comes and pursues the woman, and the woman's given some wings. Who is the woman now? The church, that's right, okay? And uh, some people say that the wings that the church, you know, I don't, I think it's helpful, but I don't sort of lock everything onto this. Some people say that, that what the church is now given is the Word and the Spirit. So we now have, the Old Testament didn't have the full Word, and they didn't have the sort of the Spirit in the way that we... So this, um, this woman, you, she can escape from the, the, the attacks of um, Satan. Um, so there's, it's, it's different, but it's uh, representative of the church, and Satan is coming to destroy the church. And as uh, we got to the end of that passage... Uh, it says pretty blatantly who it is, isn't it? Those that obey God's commands and follow Jesus. And Satan is uh, out to destroy them. He knows that his time is short, and so he's like a wounded animal, um, and he's uh, ferocious and um, desperate, which sort of reflects with what probably most of us understand um, the reality of evil is. So here's the question. How are you experiencing that battle? Because if it's on earth and you're a follower of Christ, how are you experiencing that? Do you recognize that there's something wrong with the world that is beyond the physical? Actually, most of the world, whether they're Christians or not, recognize it. They use the word evil fairly regularly. <laughs> And that when they use the word evil, what are they representing? It's almost there's something supernatural about this. It's beyond even human capabilities that this evil would occur. And so as you're thinking about how do you experience that battle, the question behind it, I'm just going to leave it hanging as we go through this, how does Jesus get you through that? How does Jesus' victory get you through your experiences of evil. Chapter 13. If you go into chapter 13, there's some weird and wonderful imagery here. Um, we have a beast from the sea that comes up from the sea uh, that has uh, all sorts of heads and uh, represented in different sorts of ways. Chapter 13, we also get uh, the beast. What is it? 666. Um, that, so the number of the beast. And we also get uh, another beast that comes out of uh, the earth. And that one is, what is that one like, if you happen to look through? That one's actually dressed like a lamb. So it looks like a lamb, but we know it's a beast. So that one's the, uh, the wolf in sheep's clothing. 
okay? So there are these beasts that are coming, and the dragon are using these beasts, and so it's all symbolic of how he's going to attack the church. This is how he's going to try and destroy the church. Uh, and uh, probably um, this beast, which is physically ferocious, and it's probably physical, and it's oppressive. And so these are the sorts of langu- things that we have to think about, that when, it, when we're dealing with evil, it's probably at times going to be physical, it's probably at times going to be overwhelming because it's in the spiritual realm and we're sort of still humans. It's going to be oppressive at times and we're going to feel like that we can't stand against it or that um, we, have, uh, we fall to its effects. The wolf in sheep's clothing, which uh, Revelation and the Bible often talks about, is the false prophet. So this one is the one that looks okay but underneath is seeking to undermine the church, to deceive the church, to get the church uh, drifting away from the Word and from Christ. So some people, when they talk about this, they might use the word antichrist um, that seeks to um, get people away, but looks good. Um, So some people uh, might say, I'll I'll just throw this one out, um, might be the Roman Catholic Church, okay? Now, what I say here, just get me here, there are Christians in the Roman Catholic Church. That's okay, so I'm not attacking that. But if you look at the theology and the structure of the Roman Catholic Church, it seeks to undermine Christ. That you have to pray through someone else. You have to do these things in order to be made right. And if you don't do enough of them, you don't receive God's forgiveness or grace. It gets you moving away from Christ being centered to the power of the church. And if you don't do what the church says, then you won't make it to heaven. And can you see how the the Roman Catholic Church does great things in the world and it's doing lots of things and and people talk about it being... uh, But yet, there is a, a false prophetic voice in its theology and its stance. And I'm not saying that there are not Christians in, so just keep that in in mind as well. Do you think it comes closer to home? Another one for me would be um, the prosperity doctrine that comes into our churches here that says God's blessing equals material blessing. And yes, there is some truth that God is overall and through all and we can see it and understand it as his blessing, but there is not Uh, Following God equals prosperity and wealth. Actually, if you follow most of Jesus' teaching, it's probably the opposite. Following Jesus equals suffering and hardship and pain. But can you see how the prosperity doctrine (laughs) can start to actually get people away from Christ and the truth of the word? So as you're thinking about this false prophet, Think about where are you experiencing that? Where are the things that you need to be aware of or to test whether they're true or not? Have you tested them against uh, the Word? Have you wrestled with them with other uh, Christians? Those sorts of things uh, as we go through these chapters. Uh, The 666 thing, uh, just again picking up on that, um, a lot of people sort of think that that's probably the influence of the beast or Satan in the world. Uh, A lot of it gets attached with financial stuff because the verses in this chapter talk particularly about financial stuff. 
but I probably understand it as Satan's effect in the world, whether it's through the financial market or through the internet or through the things of the world. Satan is in and through the world and his hand or his number or his mark is on the things of the world and is interacting with the things of the world to have us being drawn away from uh, God and what he wants. Remember again, um, 666 is not quite 777, okay? So 777 is sort of, you know, 7 is the number of completeness and God is often referred to in sort of sevens. It's the completeness, it's the fullness, that's God. And Satan, so when we say 666 again, we remember he's powerful, but he's not as powerful as God. So these things just give us an understanding of how this works, okay? Um, so we need to be uh, aware of that in, uh, in our world and our lives today. So the question, how are we being wise in this? How are you able to stand against this? And how is Jesus interacting with you in that? So let it hang there. We'll go to the next chapter, chapter 14. Uh, chapter 14, we go back into another heavenly picture, a typical Revelation picture. What is a picture of heaven in Revelation? It's pretty well Jesus at the center and what's around him? Angels and 24 elders, everything is around Jesus. And we get this picture in chapter 14, we get the picture of heaven again because he wants to remind the people who are under the oppression of the enemy in this world that this is for real. This is your reality. There is an eternal place where you are headed um, or, and when Christ returned that will be fully uh, lived out. Um, we also get in chapter 14 that even in these last days when the Satan has having this influence in the world, there is still hope. In this chapter, we get three angels that are sent to the earth. Uh, they are carrying the gospel. So amidst the turmoil on the word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus comes uh, through his church into the world. Um, we also get um, a reminder of um, the power. The world's power can be broken um, and uh, oh, I've gone forgotten on the third one, um, a warning. There's a warning sign. There's a trumpet, like we read the trumpet blast last time. A trumpet brings in warning. Warning, there is a final judgment coming on the world um, and these things. And then the last picture that we have in this section, remember it's another section, is what always what's always at the end? It's the final judgment. So you, each time you go through these sections of history and you get to the final judgment, this time it's represented by a sickle and a harvest. Have you heard that before anywhere? If you've read Jesus, you would have read Jesus talked about, what did he say? The, the last days is going to be like wheat and weeds growing together and they'll be harvested together and the final judgment will come. And so this is what I want you to remind you as we go through Revelation Everything that you find in Revelation is found elsewhere in the Bible. Jesus talks about, look at what Jesus talks about uh, in the last days. It reflects Revelation uh, very much. So uh, what we're reading in, the, in Revelation is reflected uh, in the rest of the Bible as well. Uh, and then next week, we're going to go into the next session where we go into uh, back into the numbers of sevens and plagues and angels and stuff like that. But we'll deal with that next week. We'll go to the next slide. As we go through our lives on earth, 
and we experience the reality of evil in our midst, spiritual, oppressive, satanic, demonic evil. We remember God's words that repeat themselves right through the Bible, cover to cover, which are these words here. What do I read out to the kids? Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. I've redeemed you. I've purchased you. You are mine. I will get you through this, even if it costs you your life. Be very aware that it could cost you your life. But he says, remember that uh, for us as Christians, that our death is just the beginning of eternity in perfection. And we've got to realize that that's that's a, a possibility for us. This could cost us our lives. But even in death, he says, fear not, for I am with you. I've redeemed you. I've saved you. What does he, in Isaiah, what does he say? If you go through the wars, you feel like you're going to drown? Fear not, because I'm with you in that. You go through the fires, you feel like you're going to be burned up, you feel like you're not going to survive. He says, fear not, because I am with you. I'll either get you through, or I'll take you into eternity. Fear not. He doesn't mess around by saying, this is going to be easy, guys. And as um, we were talking about uh, this during the week, we asked this question, what's your experience of evil? Of maybe Satan and the demonic? And I think um, through a number of conversations I had with different people, there was this sense that particularly in Western Australian affluent culture, we continue to underestimate his reality. I don't know if that's been your experience. certainly been mine. And uh, there's that famous C.S. Lewis quote that basically says, when it comes to Satan and the demonic, don't overestimate it. <laughs> like what Revelation is telling us, remember who he is. You know, don't overestimate it, but don't underestimate his power as well. And that somehow we keep those two in balance. And I think particularly for us in the West, rich West, where we actually are quite confident in our own material wealth, that we downplay the reality of the, sp- the spiritual. And I think this chapter reminds us, guys, to get up on board because he, remember, he reminds us what he says in Ephesians, your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and principalities of the spiritual realm. And so in Revelation, God reminds us this is your reality, but he constantly reminds us, remember Christ is victorious, that God is over all, through all, and in all, and that he will get you through. And that's what gives us our living hope. The other thing that he's constantly doing through Revelation and through the Bible is know your enemy. Remember what Paul said? He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about Satan's schemes and devices. Do you know what Satan is doing to try and deceive you? Do you know um, the things that he's seeking to do to destroy you, to drift you away from God? Jesus warns his disciples, doesn't he? He says that the world will hate you. Jesus has reminded us again this morning that the world is actually out to kill us, spiritually, to, to remove any assurance or hope that we have. 
And as I've said, our enemy, know your enemy. I think the enemy is Satan, and the, but it's also the world. The Bible talks about the flesh or the world, the physical realities. We talked about this. And remember, that our enemy is also the old self, that voice within us that used to be before we were saved, or we have that old voice that continues to drag us back down to that place. And so when we're engaging uh, with our enemy in this final battle, remember this subtlety. We're not just fighting, we're not just fighting Satan and, and the demonic, we're also fighting the physical reality and also our own inner voices. And Christ is king over all of those. And we battle with those together. It's subtly nuanced as we, um, as we battle this reality. So how does that work? I, over the years, I think I've shared this before, over the years, um, probably sort of from my mid-teens to my mid-thirties, um, I regularly got satanic evil dreams. They, um, they were often um, sort of pictures of uh, the demonic beings or whatever, um, pursuing my family members or me, and that sort of, and, uh, and had, um, you know, that, what do they call it, uh, um, dream paralysis. You know, you wake up and you can't, <coughs> you can't move, that sort of stuff. Um, and so here's the thing, because you, you, you read about that in psychology books, don't you? It's a, psychology, it's a psychological reality as well. And it's all these three working together. I believe that there is a spiritual element where Satan is trying to oppress me. He's that beast that's trying to oppress me, make me scared, make me forget and, and not trust in God. But I also think that there's something happening in my mind, because they... The dreams didn't make sense. They were all weird and wonderful and all one minute they're doing this and the next minute they're doing But there's something in there that's not quite making sense. But there's also the, the, vo the old voice started to get me and the, the voice of the accuser came and said, well, remember your sins, Glenn, and, you know, how bad you are and, how, and why would God want you to work in his church? Look what you've done. Look how you act. And, and these three <laughs> sort of start oppressing together. And... Um, it wasn't, uh, yeah, through that time, as I s said to the kids, I prayed. These are the weapons we fight against, aren't we? Fight with. We, f we fight with prayer. We fight with the word. And we remind ourselves of the truth of God's promise. We stand, we stand against Satan. So when those things happen, I would address Satan or his demonic, whatever it is. I would say, you know, in the name of Christ, the simple biblical approach is sort of what I'm, in the name of Christ, you know, flee from here. I'm a follower of Christ. He'll protect me. And so, and I would address that. Um, I would pray and I would say, God, help me. Give me the strength. Give me faith to get through this. Remove my fear. Replace it with faith. And often as I traveled that journey, um, faith grew. <laughs> and at times it was horrible nights through that. And other times there was instantaneous answer <laughs> and, and reprieve. And yet, through that, I have come to know and be assured of who God is and who am I because of him. And I have become much bolder and offensive because of that. And I think that's what he calls us to. He says, you know, you are the church now that's involved in this battle. This is not just a passive thing for you to hold and say, oh, that, no, now we go on the offense. We are a church, what are we? On mission. Think of, you know, war language, that you go out on a mission. <laughs> We've been given a mission, haven't we? 
to bring living hope to the world because we know it as our reality and so we go on the offense into the world we stand against satan we stand against the the flesh you know the pleasures of the world and we stand against lies that people believe against themselves and we bring in the truth of who jesus is and what his death and resurrection accomplished and that living hope that will get you through whatever you're coming uh, experiencing at that time and some of those practical things that i even talk to the kids if this is your reality having the promises of god uh, stuck to your wall or on your ceiling <laughs> if it's at night those songs do you sing those songs i remember constant uh, under my doona singing strong and constant is my lord reminding myself of the promises of god of who he is and who i am because of him and we remember ephesians 6 don't we the armor of god what's the armor of god the helmet of salvation the belt of truth pretty well they're all and they go on sorry i won't go on but, um they're all promises of god i remind myself of who i am salvation god saved me uh, i protect my heart because god saved me and he said you know the shield of faith the fiery dev darts won't get through as i remind that remembered the promises of god these are the weapons we fight against but they're also weapons that we go on the offense against when lies of, uh, come in our friends lives or in our culture we stand up and we go into them uh, in this battle the other thing that we do um, is this picture of revelation is that the people of god do it together you don't do it by yourself you're a people of god in a battle together and so that we need to encourage each other and that's what we did this morning we're reminding each other of this reality when we sing songs together when you know I've, i keep telling you this we're not just singing songs to god we're singing songs to each other we've got to remind ourselves of this reality as we go out in this battle to seek the gospel to come to the ends of the earth through scoresby through this nation uh, to the ends of the earth and uh, we remember those verses where we we say to each other you know confess our sins to each other why did he want us to confess our sins to each other so that satan won't get a foothold amongst you so that satan won't get uh, his lies and deceptions won't fool you from your reality and so we work together uh, to bring the good news of christ to this world so as you leave here today remember fear not for i am with you Christ's victory is complete even though it's now and it's not fully yet but when he comes again we will experience it in perfection this calls remember the verses that come it calls for endurance and faithfulness it calls for wisdom and remember even if it kills you that you have life eternal know your enemy and take your stand in the power of Christ let's pray Lord and God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that our reality is assured through Christ. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that you would help us to put our faith in you. And Lord, even if we're here this morning and we're struggling to do that, we just pray that you would move in us. That you would give us the power of your spirit to believe. The power to put our trust in you. And to know that you will never leave us never let us go that you have a living hope 
for us set aside in eternity. Lord, as your church this morning, will you remind us of this truth as we go out into the world this week and we seek to live this hope. Will you help us to be on the offense against Satan and his lies and schemes, to stand against this world and to shut down the old self as we live in the reality of our new selves. Lord, may we be your church that radiates your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. The last song that we're going to sing this morning is uh, Give Us Courage. Uh, and it's one of those I, we songs. Sometimes it's, it's, it's I sort of singing personally, but other times it's we. And this is what we do together. Some, you know, the reality is that personally we can sing these songs, but we sing these songs together as God's church, as God's people. It's a song, uh, it's almost a battle song that we go out and we don't back down because of the reality of who we are in Christ. We are on His mission together, full of His power as we seek to see His kingdom come on this earth. So stand with me and let's glorify our King. <laughs>